0: To reduce their carbon footprint, are kindly requested to listen to You Should Have Been There. Hello, fellow travellers, and welcome to our podcast. You should have been there. I'm Mick Webb, and I'm
1: Simon Calder, and we really are here at London's Gatwick Airport,
0: which is indeed very exciting.
1: From many points of view, I was born two miles south from here, and I must say, every time I come back, I do feel slightly as though I'm coming home, which maybe is a bit sad.
0: I'm thrilled to be here because when I was young, we used to drive down from Causeden, which is a not very exciting place about 15 miles north of here um, for an exciting Saturday evening out.
1: Wow, I used to come here on Sunday, Saturday afternoons, uh, sorry, Sunday afternoons for uh, a treat in this very, very space-age 1958 terminal, which was uh, a thing of great excitement, and you watched the plane usually, um, because it wasn't very busy. Now, of course, it is the busiest single-runway airport in the world, and aiming rapidly towards 50 million passengers a year, which from one runway is uh, quite remarkable.
0: And, of course, was something to be boasted about uh, a few years ago. But there is a problem, um, which is if we were to actually leave this particular zone, uh, the departure area, and get on an aeroplane and fly somewhere, which, of course, is what everybody else, apart (laughs) from all nearly everybody else apart from us is doing then we would be forced to confront the whole problem of co2 emissions and flying
1: uh, yes we would and uh, let's let's confront it anyway because although we're going no further than the uh, train back into uh, london um it's a cause of huge concern for lots of people and uh, the if i can just run through the maths briefly the basic idea is that um, aviation is made up, makes up somewhere between two percent and five percent of uh, global emissions, depending on whose numbers you believe. Um, but crucially, that number is growing very swiftly and there are assertions from the scientific community that the emissions at high altitude which is of course if you're on an aircraft the nature of your emissions um, more damaging than at ground level.
0: I should say that these very odd noises are those roller cases are they called coming off the top of a nearby uh, escalator and the wheels getting caught in the little grooves
1: well that's better than the children being caught in the little grooves I must say
0: (laughs) Now, um, one of the many new phrases that have come along with this um, increased awareness of the problem is uh, that um, air travel is the new coal.
1: Yes, and that's it's such happens. a good way of putting it. The new coal. Yeah, in the last decade we were getting very upset about coal. Um, in fact, if you go back to the nineteen eighties and even the nineteen seventies, we were getting upset about coal in a, a different way, which was that there wasn't enough of co- it coming out of the ground to um, uh, to power our industries. <laughs> but um, but but there we are. The um, yeah, the world moves on, um, and aviation is very very much uh, in the frame because you have all kinds of things, and I think there's quite a lot of emotion tied up in this as well, um, in that flying is still seen as the preserve of the rich. Certainly some aspects of flying most definitely are. Um, so business class, uh, there was a very good um, uh, publicity from um, an airline called Whiz Air recently, who said uh, you should stop business travel within Europe. Any flight shorter than five hours, you shouldn't have uh, business class on. And that was a good move by this um, Budapest-based airline, which flies many, many people around every year. Of course, it never has had a business class, and um, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's an easy target
0: for it to make. Is, can I just ask why? I mean, I, is, is that because well, you the, don't get so many people taking up you, a much larger space yes, on the plane? Yes, so,
1: so, so the... the um, what we're looking at, and my my kind of view of mitigation, is that you have to minimise the carbon output per person. And if you take British Airways' version of business class in Europe, which is simply to take the front part of an Airbus A320 and leave the middle seats unoccupied, then, by definition, you're reducing the number of people who could travel on that aircraft, and you're increasing the per-person output of carbon, particularly for those people who are in business enjoying someone not being next to
0: them. I was struck by um, a a clip of an interview with uh, the well-known actor, actress, Emma Thompson, when she flew in from the United States to take... Part in the Extinction Rebellion protests and uh, she was asked did she think it was a rather hypocritical thing that she'd done and she said absolutely not um, I've planted loads I've had I've paid to have lots of trees planted to offset my flight um, and uh, she was then asked and did you fly business class and she said absolutely and I'm certainly not changing that I'm far too old to um, to, to uh, stop well, flying business class. and I thought well I thought
1: Mm. Yes, uh, and uh, well, w- w- we're now on to the whole business of offsetting and what that constitutes and what it actually. Delivers. So, yeah, I was uh, struck by Emma Thompson's, uh, and again, I've got slightly different recollection. I think it might have been first class that she flew. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and nobody asked her, and if you're listening, Emma, please tell us uh, what sort of aircraft it was, because I suspect it would have been one of the British Airways' gas-guzzling Boeing 747s, which have been around since the last decade of the 20th century. And they consume voracious amounts of fuel. From a purely financial point of view, let me explain how it works. So it's like a good second-hand car. They are all paid for. Yes, the running costs, maintenance and so on is a bit more. But if the price of oil is below a certain level, then it makes sense for you just to keep them flying because although you're burning lots of fuel, you're still making a a profit. And people don't mind because, of course... All airlines uh, basically travel at the same speed. They've redone the interiors of them and they're flying them around with lots and lots and lots of business class seats. So, in a sense, any if you want to have your own carbon reduction scheme, we'll get on to offsetting in a minute, then you really shouldn't be in anything other than a modern plane that is packed very heavily. And uh, the thing about EasyJet flying from here and uh, Ryanair from Stansted is that they pack their planes to... So that on a typical Airbus A320 or a Boeing 737, there might be half a dozen seats empty, but that's about all. Whereas, of course, the average kind of worldwide is maybe 80%, so um, an awful lot more empty seats. Are we in the UK really the world's most polluting flyers?
0: Now I, I don't. I haven't looked at the departure board here, but um, lots of flights are leaving. Have you, I don't know what the kind of. Um, it's a fairly normal kind of time, is it? I mean, it's
1: kind uh, of well, a oh, bit quiet, quiet uh, midweek in winter
0: is 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 quiet, isn't it? But um, we will be expecting an incredible multitude of people here for the Christmas break, when we we? Well, 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 um, of
1: course, yes, absolutely. It's going to be uh, packed. It's uh, yeah.
0: And, and the reason I was. Saying that was that um, it appears that um, of all the flying polluters in the world, we Brits are um, absolutely right at the top of the table. Seventy-one million flights um, taken last year by uh, from or within the UK. Yeah, yeah well, I've by, I uh,
1: by British passengers. Yeah, possibly. I mean, the London is the world capital of aviation and the total number of passengers going through Heathrow, Gatwick, Stansted, Luton, London City and Plucky South End is about 155 million this year. So that's a lot of people, roughly half of them British, probably actually slightly more than half of them British. So we are we are particularly good but that's some or particularly bad, that's because we're on an island. So anywhere in continental Europe you want to go to Amsterdam, you um hop on a train uh, or even pack out a car with four people if you do that you're doing pretty well Um, we have three trains a day to Amsterdam and they're expensive and relatively slow so most people will fly to Amsterdam and if you look at uh, one of the busiest uh, patches of sky in the world it's um, the Irish Sea just people shuttling constantly between um, uh, the UK and
0: Ireland (laughs)
1: Are all these flights
0: really necessary? Isn't one of the reasons, the lack of empty seats on uh, these flights, that the cheap fares which are offered by um, EasyJet, Ryanair and and many others are in fact responsible for attracting more people to fly just because they're so cheap? Uh,
1: Yes, uh, uh, certainly. And uh, look, I mean... If you go back to, well, since we're here at Gatwick, um, if you go back to before the EasyJet uh, uh, launched the no-frills revolution, um, now, what, 25 years ago, there were basically half as many passengers, and uh, I celebrate the fact that um, the cost of flying has reduced so much but i guess you're saying people are traveling frivolously just because they can just because it's cheap and that's not a great way uh, uh, that's not a sustainable way forward is that fair enough
0: well i think it's fair enough i mean and it could apply to me as well i had a look at my flying habits mm-hmm. this year we're nearly at the end of 2019 and um, i have flown abroad three times right uh, which i think is not over excessive but maybe I need to rethink that Um, um, and um, I wondered whether or not I could have done any of these journeys by train uh, or other means of transport and um, what that would have meant for the experience for the time taken oh. and for my pocket.
1: Oh, well, OK. It would have been extremely expensive on your pocket. It would have been demanding of your time. But, of course, people say that flying, uh, going by train is a far more aesthetically pleasing and also more productive time than flying. Um, and uh, in terms of the carbon impact, Eurostar says that you have one-tenth of the impact when you are on one of its trains, which are packed fairly well. Uh, compared with flying the same distance. Um, and just as you're, you're talking about your flying, I'm just having a look at what I've got here. So, um, uh, 11th of December, easy, these are all my boarding passes on my phone. And the tiny thing is that we don't have um, so much paper to carry. Oh, no, that's um, right. Sir, so, that's so that's here right. we are. Okay, one up to we're you working then for backwards. That, yeah. um, so, that's uh, Gatwick to Palmer, Sophia to Stansted. That was a good one. Uh, Stansted to Cork. Done that. Um, oh, British Airways popping up here. Oh, no, that's bad. That's Edinburgh to Heathrow, but it was just so much cheaper than the train. Um, talking of trains, here's, here's one uh, advanced single from Milton Keynes to Crew. Wow, I've been uh, I've been at life, life in the Fast Lane. And, gosh, seat 83A, never a good one, flying from Heathrow to um, uh, Dubai. Going back, oh, Palmer again. Too much going to Palmer. Uh, and oh, Edinburgh to Gatwick. Oh, so many of these. Can now, can so, I? Can I? Yeah. Um, no, no. And, and look, I think it's a trick we made. Yeah, that's, that's uh, going back to. Um,
0: Oh, to Girona. It's interesting that you mentioned that one because I actually did a um, an analysis or a comparative analysis of how much it would have cost to have done that trip Ooh, by train. Yes, um, fantastic. And, uh,
1: it's almost impossible and incredibly difficult to book and very, very expensive.
0: Yeah, well, I can hear it on the back of this. Um, got actually a piece, it's a side of A4 with a lot of calculations yeah. on it and
1: this is just to get you to Girona so it to, g- took about 1 minute to book
0: it took you 1 cost minute 25 to book it. pounds each that's right well i worked out that for this trip to which was to the pyrenees so we could go uh, walking um, trekking in the mountains for 3 days to get to spain and back cost us um, a, well it cost me anyway approximately um, £80 all in and that includes getting to the airport, the airport yes. there and from the airport there. Yeah. Oh, all okay, the so, so, so including did, all, the usu-
1: all the usual um, yeah. things that were normally left out when, when you get these people yeah. saying, oh yeah I, I I could have flown from London to Newcastle I, I could have flown via Germany and Italy to get from London to Newcastle and it was cheaper, but Oh, Crack crikey, a very, very noisy one coming That's through
0: here. Very uh, heavy and cases. Well,
1: quite. And, and look, just on, as an aside, don't take luggage. Don't take luggage. No point flying your uh, 17 pairs of shoes around the world. If you check in luggage, you are you are called part of the problem. Um, anyway, so tell me, tell yeah, me more okay, about Well, look,
0: so. £80 pounds all in then. This was yeah. just for me, not for you as well. Um, that was there and back. And to do it... On the train, well, various trains, um, I reckon was about £240. Yes. Um, and that was the cheapest I could find. And it involved um, Eurostar, London to Paris, train, go across Paris and then uh, and then get a rather splendid-looking train down to Girona. Yeah. Um, which was really quite quick and not massively expensive. But... The time involved in this—I mean, even aside from looking it up, which took me about three hours—was um, was extraordinary. I mean, we managed to get from London to the heart of the Pyrenees uh, in one day without too much trouble going by uh, I've, I've yeah, a, did, stand, well without did, yeah, too the much
1: course trouble of, um, the, well it was a very exciting journey actually and we didn't really start off till
0: lunchtime no that, yeah. um
1: and we managed to have a nice uh, beer and a tapas I think in um Girona then we went to get a bus and that all arrived and we all got um, where we needed to be in good order and most certainly, yes, uh, I, I think I did a morning's work before I even... Um,
0: yeah, uh, and, and I, but, I could have done, but yes. um, being much lazier than you, I didn't. But um, that was all... Uh, indeed, I mean, I, I would have said a very satisfactory day's travel. Now, to actually, had we gone by train, we would have had to have left about six hours earlier, um, and we wouldn't have arrived in at Girona station um, Railway station until nine o'clock in the eve that Ooh, evening, which so would have been late, far too uh, late yeah. to get up into the mountains unless one had spent loads more money on a cab, um, yes, which would be oh cabs, cabs, and bad. a cabs, Almost certainly bad. a diesel. Um, well, because fuel.
1: They, they, they they on a journey like that. So so the whole point is that cabs in cities sort of generally work all right because particularly with with the Ubers and Lyft and so on because they're constantly there and you're not. But but if you just go to Girona station and say, uh, Senor, take me up to the mountains, then um, Senor or Senora will not be able to find somebody coming back, and so therefore it will be a doubly damaging journey. So what we did, which was hop on the local
0: bus, was much better. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, so that was how I. Uh, yeah. That, that's how I assessed oh, well. that. Now um, you, we could, of course, have um, spent another two days on this, um, but it there, it wasn't practicable, was it? I mean, there wasn't... To actually have spent another day travelling each way or spent no, another well, night um, in Girona. I mean, it could have been done, but it, it was—it would have... Um, yeah, but but if,
1: if somebody is presenting you with a really cheap, really straightforward way of getting to your destination um, that, apart from anything else, is also going to be safe because Ryanair is the safest airline in the world, as previously discussed, um, then... You would need to be uh, committed. You, uh, you it, it's um, you are. Your principles are really costing you quite a lot. Nothing wrong with that. But also, I would then start looking at the. Well, let's uh, let's assess properly the carbon cost of this journey. Yes, Eurostar say ten percent to get to Paris of a flight there, but. I think by the time you've added the French bit, you're not—you haven't got a ratio of ten to one anymore, and it um, starts to depend on how many people are on the uh, on the various trains.
0: Yes, that's true, and in fact, I mean, other carbon calculators are available, and I looked at one which was on a BBC website, um, which compared the journey from, which I suppose is an equivalent one, roughly from uh, London to Madrid by train and Oh, by okay, plane. good, good, good. Yes, and 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 there, the um, the ratio was more like. Um, three to one so it was yep. nothing like the, um, the but, well, Euro- I
1: think the Eurostar one works particularly well in the favour of Eurostar if, yeah. if you're only going to Paris or Brussels then a huge amount of the uh, fuel that you burn is going to be in taxiing and take off which are the most um, thirstiest parts of the trip um, and once you extend, start extending the range then the um, carbon emissions per person kilometre start to reduce quite swiftly, as you found, yes.
0: Yeah, well, no, that's fair enough. This, By the way, this uh, site is called Eco Passenger. And, ah, um, good, you know, thank you. I will um, that one out. Uh, and I don't know if it was that site, but in and, and somewhere else I um, discovered that there are many different kinds of train and yeah. that if, I don't really want to stigmatise Poland here, but I'm going to, which is if you happen to take yeah. a train journey uh, which involves going across Poland um, you have to factor and you're thinking about your carbon footprint you need to factor in that Polish trains are powered by the electricity grid which is run on some of the most polluting um, coal-fired power power stations in Europe Um, um, Yeah, There there is this um, and I, I think it's a dangerous presumption
1: that um, if you are on something which is powered by electricity, it is by definition uh, clean and good and virtuous. Uh, some um, electricity definitely is, and uh, uh, but, but a lot of it isn't, and it has to come from somewhere. And interestingly, a lot of airlines are saying, we're doing amazing things with biofuels. Um, and, for example, British Airways has got uh, using... Um, household waste to to produce fuel but that fuel still has to be burnt so it's great that it's recycling something but it's still burning and creating carbon whatever its source
0: so it's a messy messy old business do you think that um in the very near future because we're told we need to um get this um resolved as soon as possible that um there we will managed to come up with a calculator that does actually properly um, assess how much carbon Uh, is being used by a complicated journey um, which might involve train and bus and um,
1: well of course there are various ways of doing this but you kind of need to know who's doing the calculations and I don't yet Believe that I know of any any particular source. You know, whatever journey you're going to make, there will be uh, 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 some online calculator which either says you're doing a great thing here, Mick, by te- making this journey in this way, um, and your carbon output is X, and that's a quarter of what it would be on a plane, or it says, Ah, oh, Simon, your carbon output is actually quite heavy for this flight, and um, would you like to pay for some offsetting? Um, and uh, EasyJet, of course, twenty twenty becomes the very first airline to offset all its emissions. Now, that involves getting involved in tree planting exercises along the lines of um, Emma Thompson. But the, the cost seems to be incredibly cheap. They're saying that it will only cost twenty five pence per passenger, which strikes me as um, quite a quite a bargain.
0: Yes, do it <laughs> <laughs> Is this um, is, is this sort of assuaging a, a guilty conscience for what the uh, well, uh, very little cost
1: uh, well, well they you know of course you, if you ask people to offset I think you know, some airlines say one in ten maybe some even one in five people will do it but if you do it on an industrial scale the argument is that um, you can actually offset all the emissions and it won't be too difficult. Um, And obviously it's easier for EasyJet to do it than for other airlines which have older, less efficient fleets.
0: Isn't the argument about offsetting a slightly odd one in that um, you are paying to um, do things that do offset Mm. um, the... CO2 problem, if I can call it that, um, for ease of uh, use Uh, but um, at the same time you're not addressing the cause of this if we're talking about air travel because actually you're not in any way discouraging people from flying.
1: Yes, um, exactly. It's a tricky uh, business and it it is um, what was the uh, fantastic um, people excuse that you could you can buy an indulgence. Buy an indulgence. Yes, yes that's right. And yeah, so you are yeah. buying an indulgence, yeah. and, it, and maybe, maybe there is a, a, an argument to do that. But um, I think a lot of people would say uh, that plant the trees anyway, just don't do the flying. That's what's uh, that's what's messing us all up.
0: You, uh, sorry, can I just ask you another question? Yes, course, though, which which is yes, yes. um, you, you implied that um, legislation was not a great idea, um, but. Um, Surely one of the reasons that there are so many flights is the rather bizarre... Um, tax exemptions of various kinds that the um, that, that um, aeroplanes and uh, <laughs> airlines um, benefit from, which is not true of other modes of transport. Ah, oh, well, look, that's uh, that, that's let, let's just analyse this. Um, a, lo-
1: a lot of people have said to me, aviation fuel is subsidised. Well, it isn't. Um, they, what they mean is it isn't taxed. Well, it's not uh, taxed. Absence of tax does not equal subsidy. There are huge examples in transport of subsidies being paid uh, mostly to subsidize railways in various <laughs> parts of the world um, but also to subsidize some flights um, something called public sector or uh, public service obligation flights they are actually subsidized by with real money a number of the airports that you can fly to from here uh, will have paid the airlines something to get passengers on board, uh, reducing the
0: costs and so on. Um, uh, uh, um, but don't you think that in the current climate, in both senses of the word, or the more general sense as well as the uh, specific one, uh, that, that actually taxing um, aviation uh, fuel would indeed no. be a... Very sensible oh, thing. Oh, sure,
1: but, but but there's lots and lots of levers that you can press that, that um, are, are going to work really well for um, getting people to behave more sensibly. And in the UK, we've got the makings of one, which is air passenger duty. Just you're getting on a flight in the UK, uh, that's going to cost you a lot of money if you making a domestic flight in the uk it's going to cost you twice as much and yeah t- turn it up turn it up particularly for business class um, that's all you need to do i don't think people need to be it's a little bit and straying off the point here it's a little bit like complaining about um over tourism and cruise ships and all the people they bring into venice and dubrovnik and so on um that's fine you're the local authority you push up the price or restrict the numbers you've got the levers and you can do that
0: do you think that now here's another fine um, it's a word rather than a phrase it's one that i hadn't been aware of until about a month ago which is i think it's flugkam, uh, yeah which are, is a swedish for flight shaming yes flight has, has shaming. this made any kind of appearance in your well
1: it apparently has made a, 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 an appearance in um uh, Sweden, but at the same time they also brought in some taxes. But I, I think, quite possibly, in some countries, possibly Scandinavian ones, um, very modern, um, they are already saying that uh, flying is becoming a bit like uh, well, things which um, really should, shouldn't have done, and which in the past have been very. Um, uh, uh, frowned upon, so things like um, drink driving, you know, uh, there was a time, I dare say, you might even remember it, when nobody paid much attention to it. Um, smoking, it was a time when all of us smoked, apart from possibly from you.
0: Um,
1: and using your mobile it phone. gave me while a sore driving. throat. That was, yeah, yes.
0: uh, I guess, I'm um, sorry to say, I probably would have done otherwise. Um,
1: and, and so, uh, yeah, it's possible that, that we will be shamed, but. I think I would reserve that for, uh, again, it's mitigation, not legislation. And and don't criticise the people flying from here at Gatwick to the Canary Islands for a week of sunshine. They're spreading wealth across the world. They're doing something which they believe is important for them. And they're doing it in a very economical way. Sure, persuade them to leave their luggage at home. Um, Sure, encourage overbooking, which is a very good way of filling up planes higher than um, uh, they would be. But save your ire for the people who are flying out of here first class on Emirates. Shouldn't all
0: frequent flyers face financial penalties?
1: Uh, there's various things. Um, looking back at the uh, election campaign, um, the Liberal Democrats said you could either have two international flights or three international flights. Uh, the Green Party said you can have one international flight, but they didn't specify that whether that was easy to to uh, Amsterdam um, from here or maybe a first class return to Australia. I think we need a little more clarity because one is about 100 times more damaging than the other.
0: Well, okay, fair enough. I'm going to ask you something, actually, just before we finish. Are you actually going to make a specific effort yourself as a travelling journalist to cut down on your...
1: Uh, I've always, always um, done what I can to minimise the impact that I have on the environment, and my own personal um, offset scheme is every time I fly, I also hitchhike at least once, because that is the least damaging form of motorised transport. Hitchhiking is good, Tr- air travel is bad, but try and make no, no, it sorry. as unbad as you can, or as least damaging as you can. Um, uh, on that um, uh, slightly non-committal note, um, thank you for listening to You Should Have Been There, and let us know what you think uh, we should be doing about making our travel more environmentally responsible. <laughs>
0: This is the last call for passenger Mick Webb to promise to reduce his carbon footprint. I wasn't trying to get away with it, honest. I am going to fly less next year. Two flying trips at the most. And if I do go to mainland Europe, I promise to do my utmost to go by land transport. Let us know what you think. You can send an audio message to You Should Have Been There on anchor.fm that's A-N-C-H-O-R. But till our next podcast from me, Mig Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye.